Defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. It is Monday night in the NFL offseason, and that means you are live with the IDP Heat Seekers brought to you by rotoheat.com. I'm Craig Reith, and with me as always this season is Austin. How are you doing this week, Austin? I'm okay. Not as good as I was last week. And I wouldn't say as always because we had Brad on last week. You guys were treated to a great show. Hopefully we can treat you to another one this week. Uh, but I'm great. Just got back from Cabo, had a great trip, and uh, just excited to dive right back into this IDP show that we have going on this evening. Yep. This week we are going to be talking about more non-rookie content that is coming up starting next week. We're going to be going over rookie safeties in the 2023 draft class next week. But of note, currently in the NFL, it's still ongoing uh, pretty much you know through the rest of the offseason and into the season, but official free agency started uh, the unofficial period was last week, Monday, when you know the leaks started coming out and all that, and then Wednesday the official contracts started coming out. So we've had about a week of news coming out here, and we're going to be going over as many as we can of IDP free agency player signings, or in some cases re-signings. We'll throw a couple trades in at the start, players that we think are relevant in most leagues anyway, and if they're not immediately relevant to your team, how they will affect players on the IDP side of the ball for your team. If you have any questions about any of these guys or guys we don't mention, please let us know. We can get to those uh, as quickly as we can. If they are on our sheet, we'll probably just wait till we get to that point. But we're going to be diving right in here. So the first one that we have up, again, we're going to start off with a couple of trades, was Jalen Ramsey traded from the Rams to the Dolphins for Hunter Long, who's a tight end on the depth chart there if you're not familiar with him he's a rookie a couple years ago and then the 77th overall pick in this upcoming 2023 class they do have some nice pieces there on Miami in the secondary despite Byron Jones being perpetually injured in prior years and then subsequently being uh, released they got Xavier Howard Javon Holland who you know we like here at Roto Heat and um, Brandon Jones so they got some other pieces there at cornerback Ramsey's probably going to be playing cornerback but Austin how did you feel about this from an IDP perspective because despite being a cornerback Jalen Ramsey has been significant in even just straight DB leagues yeah he has and I mean I don't see any reason for that to stop I mean Jalen Ramsey is an incredibly talented player watched him you know when he was at Florida State and have watched him you know in the league for several years now and um he he's he's checked out the whole time I mean he's he's really legitimate um so you know they got a good front seven um they can create pressure Christian Wilkin Wilkins he can frustrate guys up front you know Jalen Phillips off the edge um they they have some linebackers um you know that they've got so I mean I think this secondary is pretty solid when you look at it with Xavier Howard uh, Brandon Jones like you mentioned Javon Holland on the back end and then they add Ramsey as like their lockdown corner I mean I think it's a, a great addition for for the uh Miami Dolphins and for what they gave up I mean how do you not love that? Like, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it was just a couple of years ago, wasn't it? A first round pick. I think they gave up to get him. It was something like that in the mm-hmm. original trade that the Rams gave up. Look that up here quick. But it's, uh, you know, really interesting. Um, 
that they are sort of doing an overhaul of that Rams team, but they're not completely. Um, I, I don't know quite to make of it because they got some big name pieces there. You'd think they'd be trying to move on from. Of course, this isn't an offensive show, but you know it has ripple effects. Where if that offense were to get dismantled, it leads to the defense being on the field more, and then potentially more IDP play. And we're gonna have to see yeah. who steps up. They have a lot of sort of, in our eyes, maybe replacement level cornerbacks that they say that they're happy with. And we'll see what the rest of the draft coming up here. And yeah, Jaguars traded uh, Ramsey for two first round picks in 2020 and 2021 and a fourth in 21. So yeah, that was crazy. not that long ago. That was in 2019. Yeah. And, then and now I mean, they're getting a third in a tight end. Yeah. And Ramsey, I mean, he's not like he's on the decline. Like he's still playing at a really high level. It's a little strange to me too, that piece when you look at it for the Miami Dolphins. I mean, they they lost Gasecki. Um, you know now they trade Hunter Long. They're, they're, the tight end they have currently listed as their starter is, you know Smythe Smith. Yep. I'm not sure how you say his name, um, but they could be looking for tight end in the draft. You know maybe it's a good landing spot for one of those tight ends. There's you know Dalton Kincaid or uh, you know uh, any of the any of the other guys that they've got in the draft. Maybe that's where the Dolphins go. The defense looks pretty good. Um, they don't have a whole lot of, of glaring needs on that side of the ball. And, you know, this is an offense that we saw last year that can score quickly. I mean, Tyree Kill, one of the fastest players in the game, and uh, Jalen Waddle as well. So it's an offense that can put up, put up points really quickly. And, you know, like you mentioned, the more the defense is on the field, the more opportunity those guys are going to have to create plays and generate fantasy production. So they kind of do go hand in hand, despite this not being a, an offensive show. Um, again, I, I, I am shocked at what, uh, honestly, what the dolphins gave up to acquire Jalen Ramsey. And I'm shocked that the Rams traded him away for so little. The only other thing that I was thinking, I'm trying to bring it up now is I think he's a free agent after this year, that being Ramsey. Oh. Oh, well, that takes that out of it, but he is owed a lot of money, so it's potential they're just trying to cut cap to, you know, to save room elsewhere and try to do a rebuild on the fly, like you see in fantasy football too, where they're keeping some of their big name guys. Of course, it seems like they're going to still have Stafford, still got Cooper Cup, still got Aaron Donald, um, but they also let Leonard Floyd go. You know, he's a free agent who was mm-hmm. uh, the sack leaders of the team last year, so it's going to be a very different Rams team this year for sure. Yeah. Indeed. Next up, Chuck Clark. He was a longtime favorite of me in IDP leagues. He's going from Baltimore to the Jets. There's been a lot of talk even the past year, year and a half of him being released or going elsewhere. Uh, Ends up being traded for not very much at all, a 2024 seventh round pick. But I do like the fit there um, with this team that they have with the Jets. He's a smart player. He's not the most talented. You know, he's not the most athletically gifted, but he knows where to be. He knows how to get other guys in position. He's a veteran that does a little bit of everything. If you look at how he was deployed with Baltimore, and I think he's going to be a real asset. You know, I think the Jets had, by a lot of metrics at least, the number one secondary in the NFL last year. You know, they got great cornerback play. Still got a lot of other safeties on the roster. They got Lamarcus Joyner still, Ashton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, and I had Chuck Clark who can do a little bit of everything back there. Fantasy-wise, we're going to have to see if he's going to play more of that strong safety slash pseudo linebacker you see a lot of on the Jets, or is he going to be moved around? But if he does be sort of that starting safety and get those starter snaps, I think this could be a potential bounce-back year for Chuck Clark's value. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that, and I think he does play the strong safety spot. I mean, just his style of play, I think it fits it it better. And then, you know, they've got Jordan Whitehead opposite of him who can cover – um, I think this fits perfectly for the New York Jets. I think it makes a whole lot of sense for them to trade to acquire him. I mean, just giving up a seventh round pick for a guy who, you know, is a veteran, understands, you know, 
how to play in this league and uh, can keep up with the pace. You know, he's a cerebral player. Uh, he makes a lot of uh, big plays and he's a willing tackler. So, you know, just one more guy on that defense who's not afraid to come up and make plays, uh, you know, in the box, if you will. So I think it's a great fit from a, a football perspective and from a fantasy perspective. I mean, you know, Chuck Clark, there was a lot. This actually works out really well for Baltimore as well. Yeah. Uh, let me just say that is like they they had a lot of guys who they could put in at safety and be really productive. I mean, they have had a really good um, group of, of safeties last season. So it made sense for them to move him. Um, and, you know, for Chuck Clark, I think the fit's great. So I, I like it. Um, I'm excited to see what he does in New York. Yeah, and going forward, there's just going to be hopefully a little bit more clarity for Baltimore with that safety position with Kyle Hamilton seemingly ascending into a starting role. Marcus mm-hmm. Williams, with these being paid, is going to be other one. They went out and uh, re-signed Geno Stone, who I, I think had either been non-tendered or released, so there's still some continuity with that third safety. Of course, they got uh, Marlon Humphrey, and I think Marcus Peters are still the uh, cornerbacks there. So they got some nice cornerback play. And if they figure out the offense there, certainly with Roquan Smith, uh, they'll have a potentially really good defense once again. We're going to go back to Miami now. We're going to be going into free agency signings. And I'm going to read both of these off here and kind of let you know the two big IDP names anyway that have fallen for Miami. They got David Long from Tennessee, linebacker for two years, $11 And then Deshaun Elliott, um, safety that had a couple years ago been with Baltimore and then more recently, been with the Lions. He is over to Miami as well in an unspecified at the moment contract. So I'm not sure if that's not finalized yet or what, but he's a name I intentionally didn't bring up in the discussion of Jalen Ramsey, but he's another piece of guy that's shown to be an NFL starting caliber safety that you're just throwing back there. So that secondary even has more they gained here. And it looks like David Long's sort of going to fill that role where Landon Roberts was last year. He left next to Jerome Baker. Which one of these has more of an impact for you fantasy-wise? So from a – man, that's really good question. Because, I mean, Deshaun Elliott, when he was healthy, he played extremely well last year for Detroit. Um, You know, looking at this roster and and what they have, I mean, I think that um, Deshaun Elliott's going to be a good fit, Uh, you know, going right alongside Javon Holland, I think, you know, as a starter at at the strong safety spot. Um, So I do like him, although – you know, David Long, he's really kind of one of those guys that flies under the radar in terms of IDP rankings and where you can get him typically. Um, he's consistent. He's still decently young. He's not like an old veteran player. He can move well, um, and he should be – we saw Landon Roberts be productive in Miami um, you know, quite often last season and, over, quite frankly, over the last two seasons. Um, I think that he's going to fill that role nicely. And personally, I mean, I think he would be – a is going to be a bigger impact player on this defense than, than just about anybody on the defense. I mean, Jerome Baker, he's a good player, but you know, at times he kind of disappears. And I think David Long could actually step in and be the anchor of that defense. The guy that you want to have on your teams for IDP uh, production. For IDP, for me, I, I think the David Long signing matters more as a, I guess, better version of Roberts. I agree. Next to Baker. Uh, Baker is a guy that's been really good in coverage. So is Long. Um, so that's something interesting that they're sort of going for those guys. And then Deshaun Elliott, it's just hard to parse out what they're doing. You know, you'd think they're trying to get more of these guys on the field at the same time in that secondary. You know, that's way more talent on the field. You play your best players. Uh, Javon Holland played most of his snaps last year at free safety. But there were games where he played more at slot corner. He also had quite a few box snaps. You know, he played all across the field too, kind of 
similar to Chuck Clark, but not to that degree. Makes me wonder if they're going to be trying something, moving him around more like that, or if they're going to do that with Ramsey, you know, that way they have sort of that queen back there in the defensive secondary to figure out what's going on. Um, until we really know how it's going to play out with the number of safeties and just defensive backs overall that we like there, it's hard for me to put a lot of faith in a one-year, I'm guessing since it's not really out there yet, one-year deal for Deshaun Elliott being the impact of the two. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, I actually think that Javon Holland has has played better when they just kind of let him move around and use him as like a, a you know, an art, art, you know, Swiss Army knife, if you will, of yeah. the defense as far as safeties. Um, I, I thought he found great success last year whenever they did that. Unfortunately, they just didn't do that often enough. So hopefully this year he'll have more opportunities to do that for sure. And we're going back to the Jets for this next one too, since we mentioned them with Chuck Clark and it's not a crazy different move that's going to change a whole lot of their linebacking core. But Quincy Williams is back with his brother, Quinn and Williams on that defensive line. He signed for three years up to $21 million. Uh, pretty nice payday for a guy that was waived by the Jaguars. I think it's like a year and a half ago or, you know, almost two years now probably. So I know you were a fan of his and so am I. Probably doesn't change a whole lot of your outlook with C.J. Mosley still there, but do you kind of feel this solidifies him as just a second linebacker in that core that you'd want? Yeah, second linebacker, but I don't say that in any kind of like negative way. I mean, last year, going into last year, it was sort of like a prove it for me with Quentin, not Quentin Williams, sorry, Quincy, Quincy Williams. Um, and he really went out and balled out last year. And so, you know, I have high expectations for him this year. Um, CJ Mosley, obviously we know all know he had you know major injury concerns last year, wasn't able to be on the field as much as, uh, you know, he, we would have liked to have seen him on the field and maybe some of that was beneficial to Quincy Williams, but I still think that even with Mosley on the field, Quincy Williams is, you know, a piece of this defense that the jets are going to have to use and rely on. And, you know, last year he played well, I expect more of the same this year. So, I really like Quincy Williams, uh, and I'm glad he he re-signed with the New York Jets. You know, we talked a couple weeks ago about this, um, and I think it's a big deal for the Jets that they bring him back. He's he understands the system, uh, he knows what he's doing. You know, they don't you don't have to go through the whole process of bringing somebody else in, and um, you know, he's a proven piece in that defense. So I think it works out great for the Jets, and I think it's good for Quincy Williams as well. Yeah, I like it for IDP. You know. C.J. Mosley, if he's healthy, I think the past couple of years he's been around 160 combined tackles, which is just phenomenal what you want for a linebacker. But, it, you know, age is catching up to him. We would normally think, you know, most of these linebackers aren't highly productive into their, you know, early to mid-30s. He's going to be, I think, 31 this year or 32. So he's starting to get to that threshold. I still think he's going to be productive, probably, you know, at worst a linebacker too. But I think Quincy has that potential, you know, especially if something were to happen, to be sort of a back-end linebacker two or certainly a, a linebacker three or flex play with what we've seen out of him, if, again, he's healthy and on the field too because, you know, last year he got banged up. And it happens a lot, especially with 17 games now even more so. But, uh, we have what he's shown for fantasy IDP players is he's definitely a hold right now if you, do, if you have him on your team already. All right, next guy up is a guy that uh, you are familiar with. Safety Juan Thornhill from the Kansas City Chiefs is going to the – Cleveland Browns on a three-year, $21 million deal. He's been an interesting guy that, you know, he's never been super high on IDP radars, you know, especially with the number of productive guys once you get past that sort of first tier. Um, he he did fine, and certainly he got a nice uh, payday here with the Browns who let John Johnson go. So it kind of looks like it's going to be Thornhill and Grant Dilpit for the two starting safeties there. 
course, the Browns last year were just abysmal as far as run defense, and uh, their linebackers weren't great, so there were a lot of tackles there for those guys to be getting. You're familiar with Thornhill. How do you see him fitting into this Browns defense now? Yeah, I mean, he played well for Kansas City um, at times. Um, you know, he, he he obviously didn't stick around, and Kansas City didn't see him as a long-term piece, and they moved on from him and um, so didn't resign him, of course. So um, he went on, and, and now he's with the Browns. And, I, you know, as it stands today, he looks like he's in the in the – free safety starting position we'll see what they do in the draft or you know it doesn't sound like they plan on bringing anyone else in through free agency but um you know we'll see what they do through the draft i i'm not going to say he couldn't be unseated from his his starting role um but you know i mean he he could be a good piece for that that defense um could be a, a decent contributor he's not somebody that i personally have in my top 15 maybe even top 20 safeties for idp personally um but we'll see how he does. I mean, and we'll see if he gets, you know, a high snap count and if he's truly the the starting solidified, you know, free safety in in uh, Cleveland, then you know, maybe this works out well for him and maybe he's in for a breakout season. Yeah, his career highs are, you know, like around 70 or so combined tackles, so it's not a whole lot. And he was a starter, you know, for a few years there with the Chiefs, but there just wasn't a whole lot in terms of free safety tackles for that team and how they played. And they've had other nice productive guys from that secondary. I still feel Grant Delpit, you know, with him moving over is going to be the safety to own or that strong safety of the two. Yeah. So it's kind of the nature you get out of some of these teams with that free safety, strong safety difference. And another one I threw on here, because again, I have to bring up a defensive tackle every week, but Delvin Tomlinson went from, I believe it was Minnesota. He was at to Cleveland. Four years, $57 million, so a whole chunk of money, and you're thinking, all right, well, defensive tackles, again, you're bringing it up to bring it up. But this is them trying to help fix that atrocious run defense that they had last year. You know, Tomlinson is a great guy to have in the middle of your defense to eat up those blockers. He can get you some tackles too, but to help shore that up for that team that they're hoping is going to be playoff bound now that they have what looks to be a full season of Deshaun Watson. Still have some nice offensive weapons there, of course, you know, like Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, David Njoku. They're hoping that takes a step forward, and then they got to shore up that defense so the teams just aren't running it down their throat. So his value is probably about the same that it was. But, you know, if you're looking at these and you see, wow, that's a whole chunk of money, sometimes those big run stuffers, when you got a problem to solve, are going to get their payday, and that's what happened here for Tomlinson. Yeah, so there's one thing that's super interesting about this is there's a player on this roster who made a lot of noise last year in the Senior Bowl and who I was really excited to actually see if maybe he would get his opportunity this year, and that's Perrion Winfrey. He's going to be a great depth piece. I'm hoping that he works into the rotation with Dalvin Tomlinson, but Dalvin Tomlinson, he's the real deal. Like He's going to eat up a lot of snaps. Um, He is going to anchor the center of this defense. He's a very good player, has been a good player for a long time for the Vikings, and now that he's in Cleveland, I expect him to be on the field quite often. Um, If you're in a defensive tackle league where, where you have to play defensive tackles, Dalvin Tomlinson is what top three uh top four uh just in about just about in almost any idp league that you look at so um you know i don't expect his production to change a whole lot um i think this is a good situation for him you know looking at the roster you know you got miles garrett on the outside who can create pressure they're gonna have to double him uh as often as they can and that's gonna pull guys from the middle and that's gonna free dalvin tomlinson up to be able to work and and do what he does best and um, you know, we'll talk about some others on here that uh, I, I can't remember if we're covering the Okorwankwo 
to him. That's uh, yeah, we can go to yeah, him yeah. next. That's fine. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. So yeah, we got uh, Okorwanko who who came from Houston to Cleveland as well, and he's going to set the edge on the other side opposite. So you know, not a whole whole lot to say about him. Uh, it'd be a good piece if you're looking for a defensive end, but. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, I think it's all relative to one another, right? So the more pressure you can create off the edge, the more you free up the, the middle of the field. And um, Dalvin Tomlinson's the kind of player you can plug a hole and he can create pressure with speed and power and size. I mean, so he's he should be very productive. He should continue to be productive. If you have defensive tackle leagues, he's still going to be a good player to have on your rosters. Yeah, and he's a guy that's interesting because he was, you know, productive for Houston without being, you know, a huge name, although there's been a number of guys that have been productive there with the amount that Houston was on defense. But they did give him a decent contract, you know, the three years, I think it was like 19 million there. Uh, mm-hmm. It was mentioned. Uh, it is still a productive position just to be across from a great pass rusher. We kind of talked about how great ones can feed off of each other. But, yep. you know, you think Jadavian Clowney has been in the league a long time. Uh, he's still a super talented guy, and we'll see where he ends up. But they got rid of him. He didn't have the best season last year. But just two seasons ago, he had nine sacks and I think around a dozen tackles for a loss being across from Miles Garrett. Yeah. Not saying Okon- – I'm going to mess up his name. <laughs> Oconcro or something like that. Sorry, buddy, if you're listening. I'm still getting some of these pronunciations on. But either way, he has that you know youth on his side. He was productive on a bad Houston team, so he got reps, which is great for these young pass rushers. He's going to a team that on paper should be a good defense. Now we're going to have to see if they've cleaned up that linebacking core or not. You know, they got JOK there, not a whole lot else necessarily. We'll see what they do in the draft, if anything, to address that, some of that. But just cleaning up what you have in front of you, we saw that a lot with Philadelphia. You have a really good defensive line that can help out your linebacking core a bunch. Yep. So I think that this is another move in the right direction. You probably got him cheaper than Clowney would have been, and he's younger. So staying in the division, though. We are going to go to the Bengals. This is another re-signing. Jermaine Pratt is back there. He got a nice payday. Three years, $21 million, and he's going to be back there along with Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson, to me, is still sort of the alpha of the two linebackers in terms of the production you're going to get. But you know what you're getting with Pratt in that he is a really good you know, sort of throwback run defender where he is great against the run, and he's going to eat up tackles. Doesn't do a whole lot in coverage. That's usually not asked of him, and a lot of times he isn't necessarily even out there on the third downs when you know they're going to be passing. But for our IDP purposes and even his on-the-field play, he's been improving over the years. You know, he was drafted by the Bengals, became a free agent. They re-signed him. A lot of people thought he might be going somewhere else to get big money. How are you feeling about this one, knowing Logan Wilson's still there, and you'd love to see if he ends up getting paid by the Bengals coming up in a year or two? Yeah, so I like Jermaine Pratt a lot. I thought kind of similar to Quincy Williams, there was, uh, you know, last year was kind of you know one of those years for me where <laughs> my son's trying to talk to me. No um, last year, last year, that was one of those deals where I thought, you know, this is a big year for Jermaine Pratt to kind of, for, for me personally, as an IDP player, I was like, well, this is kind of like, okay, is he somebody that I want to continue to have on my roster? Or is he somebody that I want to try to move on before it's too late? And I kept him and he played extremely well last year at times. And, um, you know, I thought, again, he was sort of the beneficiary of Logan Wilson missing a little bit of time. Um, But I thought he played consistent and what he did for that team, uh, he did well. I think they know what they expect from him. Um, He is the kind of player who, you know, he, he knows what's, what his job is and, and he goes out and he does that. And so, you know, he, he really proved to me that uh, he does still deserve to be on IDP rosters. He is still a quality linebacker 
And um, you know, I expect him to to do good things this year. I think I'm I'm really happy that the Bengals brought him back. To be yeah, and he's been pretty consistent since he's been a starter. I mean, he's been in that 89 to 99 all three years as far as combined tackles. You know, one and a half sacks over three years. He's got 16 tackles for a loss, so he's got some there. Got better stats this past year in coverage, and maybe that's a sign that things are turning around. It is going to be his fifth year in the league, and sometimes these guys improve. Uh, but you have a pretty good feeling of what you're going to get from him. Now, if Logan Wilson goes out and gets injured or something, you know, you can certainly improve upon that. But he's been a nice steady piece where you, you know what you're getting out of him, basically, and there is value in that in IDP and fantasy football in general, where some of these guys like, hey, I don't really have to worry about my third linebacker if I have to plug him in if one of the other guys gets hurt. So it's definitely worth a guy being in your leagues as far as drafting for probably more of a bench piece. All right. We are moving on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They send a couple linebackers as well. Cole Holcomb from Washington, three years, $18 million. And Landon Roberts, who we mentioned prior, going from Miami, two years, $7 million. So you got an idea of which one. You know, they probably feel better about going forward here. Of course, Cole Holcomb had a couple of really good seasons there in Washington. There was a lot of expectation about he's going to be one of the next great sort of IDP pieces. And when they changed regimes there, there were some injuries. It just really didn't end up panning out. And I do like this from a perspective fit um, for both of them, actually. You know, the Steelers, Everly since, but I think Ryan Chazier got hurt. And then they went, you know, they tried to fix it with Devin Bush and then, you know, signing Miles Jack, who got released, and, you know, Joe Schobert. They, they really haven't yeah, had yeah. a fix for productive uh, linebacker play in the middle there next to the edges, Highsmith and Watt, who have been productive and they've had a decent defensive line even. So do you feel like this is going to fix things in the middle of that linebacking core or based off of what you've seen recently? Are you ho- keeping your hopes down a little bit? Well, Cole Holcomb is coming off a, of a, a bit, pretty big injury or he missed most of the year last year, if I remember correctly. And um, But yeah, like you mentioned, that, that was one thing that stood out to me about the, where he signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers is it feels like they've been grasping at straws for a couple seasons or more now uh, at the middle linebacker position, not really having somebody in the middle to, you know, solidify the the, the linebacker. and. Uh, position and Cole Holcomb does fit that actually um, and I think they're going to be very happy with him I I expect to see him on the field quite a bit for Landon Roberts you know I expect probably a similar role to what he had in Miami where you know he could be what you know week to week it's going to be kind of hard to tell if he's going to be consistent uh, how often he's going to be on the field what kind of production you're going to get from him sometimes it's going to be good sometimes it's just going to be like meh um, so for me, you know, I, I'm really excited about the Cole Holcomb signing though. I, I really like this kid as a player. Um, I, I think he does have the ability to be a top IDP linebacker for sure. Like top 10, top 15 for sure. Um, you know, all he's got to do is stay healthy and be on the field. And I think Pittsburgh's a really great situation for him where, like you mentioned, they've got, you know, the guys on the front, they've got the guys on the back end of the defense, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick, and uh, they brought in, you know, Patrick Peterson as well, which he's not on our list, but you know, honorable mention for him. Um, they've got some pieces on this defense that, you know, are going to make a big difference. Uh, I'll just throw in another name, Larry Ogunjobi. They brought him in. I don't think that we have him on our list, but if we do, sorry for jumping ahead again, but no, I don't think ahead. we do. No, yeah, I don't they, think we they do. Resigned so, him. They, he had after the deal with the bears failed out last year. They signed it. I think we were one yeah, year that's deal right. with them. Right. So he's back. And I think it's a couple year yeah. deal now. Yeah, so I mean they've you know they've got some players who can make some differences all around Cole Holcomb and 
Cole Holcomb, I think he is a good player. I think um, you know, I am excited to see what he does this season. Um, I personally would target him. I, I think that you're going to be really happy at the price that you can get him at. Um, if you do go try to go get him or if you if you're in a startup draft, I think where you, he's being drafted is probably considerably lower than where he should finish. Um, so, you know, he, he is a, a player that I think you could get a good return on. It's been if he's healthy, he's going to be productive for you. He was productive as a rookie going over 100 combined tackles. Again, if, if you're not healthy, you can't be on the field. Availability is the best ability. So if he's healthy, I think he is going to be a guy that's going to shoot up and you know has the potential to be a linebacker one on this season with a good defense around him, but still needing you know help in that linebacking core from what they've got in the past few years. Moving on, we're going to talk about a safety from the Houston Texans now. Um, it won't be Jalen Petrie, but it's a guy that's joining him as a safety in the backfield there. It's Jimmy Ward going from San Francisco on a two-year deal worth up to $13 million. Jimmy Ward is a guy that uh, seemingly always, you know, like, there's just that anticipation of, oh, is he going to give you more? Like, he sort of feels like Juan Thornhill, where he was a relatively high draft pick, I mean, higher than Thornhill Ward went in the first round to the 49ers. But, he, again, more of a free safety type of player. It just doesn't get you huge tackle numbers, doesn't do a ton of other stuff that shows up for the fantasy box score. I mean, Jimmy Ward has been good for the 49ers when he's been on the field. But, you know, if you look at seasons here, 2017, 2018, he only played in seven and nine games and 13, 14, 16 in 2021, 12 games this past year. Got, you know, only eight games as a rookie being the first round pick, 11 games the year after that. He's been banged up a lot. Looks like he probably will start because Jonathan Owens is still a free agent. He was seemingly taking place there. But knowing what we sort of got out of the safeties last year, do you have hopes that maybe this will be uh, sort of a, it's hard to call it a breakout when a guy is going into like his eighth season or something, but you think you could be feeling a breakout there for Houston? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't look like anybody's really going to challenge him for playing time. Like you mentioned, I mean, they still have Eric Murray there, but he's kind of, he's, he's sitting behind Jalen Petrie and um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe he could challenge him for, for playing time. We'll see again, there's, there's still a pending draft. We'll see what the Houston Texans do in the draft. If they, you know, decide to bring in a safety or, or somebody to, that can, that can help them out on the back end. But I mean, as it stands today, Jimmy Ward appears to be in line for a starting role. And, you know, if he gets the snap counts that, uh, you know, Hey, 90% or better, like he's had in, you know, 2021, 2022, uh, he was able to produce over 70 tackles. I mean, that's not high-end uh, fantasy production, but yeah. you know, it is it is productive enough that you know he could be a good de- decent depth piece, and maybe maybe he maybe he exceeds 70. I mean, I don't know that this situation is one that leads me to believe that he's in for a, a career year necessarily. So if you're looking at from a ceiling perspective and what his range of outcomes is, I mean, he could anywhere from 50 to 70 tackles 70 being the high end and 50 probably being the low end i mean i don't know he's okay to me you know again he's probably more of just a depth piece that you would have on your bench and you know you rotate him in whenever there's bye weeks and as long as he's healthy it, you know, he might be able to you know keep some good fantasy production from the safety position but outside of that i mean he's not like a guy that i'm just really excited about he's a guy that i'm Given the situation he's going to, I feel decent about having as, you know, like your maybe fourth safety, you know, fourth defensive <laughs> back if you're taking him. And the only reason I say this is because, again, you know, like you don't have a ton of production. And yeah. he's one of those guys that falls into that sort of forgotten about camp because he doesn't have the flashy numbers. But 
knowing that that's his ceiling and that's probably where people are valuing him at, you know, Jonathan Owens is leaving 125 tackles. Now, Ward isn't coming in just to take those over. They're certainly, I would think, going to have better linebacker play than they had last year and probably a better offense too overall with, you know, where they're drafting and some of the pieces are getting on offense. But there's a big chasm, you know, between 77 and 125 tackles. And that's assuming Jalen Peachy repeats as what was 140 or 160 or like an enormous number that he got last mm-hmm. year. Uh, there's certainly room for him to go up and give you a better return on your investment where he could be your third safety and you'd feel comfortable about if things don't improve there. But counting on that, that's just a dangerous proposition. Another linebacker here, sort of a David Long replacement, if you will. Aziz Alshair going from San Francisco to Tennessee, one year up to $6 million. I like the landing spot a lot. You know, they really don't have that linebacking core figured out for the middle of it there for Tennessee. You know, David Long left. Chance Campbell was a guy they had drafted uh, recently. Monty Rice was a the guy they had drafted. But Aziz has been productive for the 49ers when he's been playing there, whether it's been, well, Fred Warner's been hurt or Dre Greenlaw's been hurt. You know, there's been a lot of, if you go look at the linebacking core, for the 49ers, there's been a lot of missed games in there, and he's he's stepped up and been productive. So I like the landing spot for him. They do still have a good defensive front there in Tennessee yes. with Simmons and Autry, you know, for him to play behind and rack up tackles. Harold so, Landry, too. Yep, Landry, uh, I think he got hurt last year, but, you know, he should be back healthy um, mm-hmm. coming off the edge there. What do you kind of feel about the fit with Aziz there for a year in Tennessee? Well, as it stands today, I really, really like it. And I think he's going to benefit greatly from the fact that there's just no one there to challenge him. Um, last year, I picked out a player, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, as a guy. He was a rookie, of course, but it's a little bit different situation. But when you looked at the linebacking core for uh, Detroit last year, I didn't have any confidence in Alex Anzalone. And this, you know, this depth chart that I'm looking at right here just doesn't that doesn't do anything for me outside of Al Shire. So uh, I expect that Tennessee should probably prioritize linebacker in the draft. If they do not, Al Shire should get a lot of love in fantasy leagues um, because he is going to have a lot of opportunity and opportunity for me is King. Um, You know, it always has been, you know, you look at, we talked about Jalen Petrie's production and, you know, just the fact that he had so much opportunity, he was the benefit. Yes, that's true. That's how fantasy works. And Shair could be in that category of players who, you know, looking at this roster and how it stands currently, uh, you know, he is a talented player. He should not have anybody pushing him for, for, for snaps. He should get a high snap count. I think that he could be very, very productive this season for sure. We're going to jump to Denver now, and we got a couple of signings there. So the first one we got, Zach Allen, who I know you're a fan of, and you had mentioned him on one of our prior shows this season. He went from the Arizona Cardinals defensive end to Denver, of course, three years, but $47.5 million. I mean, he got a big chunk of money if you kind of look at the contracts that are given out here. And then Alex Singleton is back as well. Uh, He had previously gone there after being – I don't even think he was traded. I think he was released by Philly. He was a free agent and went to Denver. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three years, $18 million. So a nice chunk of money for him, too. Singleton, of course, is one of those guys where you know we talked about prior a couple of them, but you can just plug and play them in, and they're going to get you tackles, sort of like Pratt that we mentioned, where Singleton is a tackle machine. Not amazing in coverage, doesn't do anything like overly outstanding, but he's reliable, and for our IDP purposes, he gets you tons of tackles, whereas you know, Zach Allen had a great season. Mm-hmm. He's sort of one of those guys that's gotten better each year. He is taking the place of Tremont Jones. 
I think it's Draymond yep. Jones that released Jones, yeah. and went to Seattle. Um, I don't know if we're getting to that one or not, but uh, sort of a replacement player there. Um, I know you're a big fan of Zach Allen, sort of going from the same set sort of defense, you know, 3-4 base. How are you feeling about him on Denver now? Yeah, I actually really like this, and and I think that he is a quality player. I was pretty shocked that Arizona didn't bring him back. Then um, I don't know what I don't know what Arizona has going on right now, but it's not very good. Uh, Denver yeah. though uh, needs you know they they were a pretty good defense last year, but I definitely think this is a piece that is going to be a positive addition for them. I think that you know what he does. I assume he'll be opposite of Randy Gregory. I know that they have uh, Jonathan list, Jonathan Harris listed as the right defensive end, but you know, the way their defense operates, I think Randy Gregory, you know, he comes off the edge quite a bit. If he's healthy this season and ready to go, then you know, I think it's going to complement what Zach Allen does, which is more of a, a, a powerful pass rush, you know, less the speed rush and more of just like the, the power rusher. And, um, you know, Zach Allen, he can get around though. Um, and I, and he can make plays and he showed that last season. So, you know, I kind of expect more of the same from him at linebacker. Uh, you know, there's, it's you talked about Alex Singleton here. Uh, they still have Josie Jewell, Baron Browning, who actually, played decent at times um, but again he had his own injury battles uh, that he was dealing with so they kind of got some guys at, at linebacker that they can that they could probably plug and play and you know we'll see who's healthy and we'll see who's on the field the most and let that kind of shake out I'm not really sure for Alex Singleton what kind of value he'll have this season or what kind of role he'll have you know again goes back to that opportunity thing right so if he gets the opportunity it could work out for him but with as many people as they have and no one really standing out as the clear cut, like, Hey, this is the guy you want to have on your team. I'm not so sure about that. Zach Allen, I, I think of the two is, is a really significant signing for Denver and will be a big difference maker for sure. When you look at Alex single, excuse me, Zach Allen's stats compared to what Draymond Jones did last year. I mean, they're almost identical. Draymond had one more sack. Zach Allen had one more tackle for a loss. They both had 47, uh, combined tackles, and then it was 23 and 24 um, split. You know, one one went one way, one went the other. You know, a couple pass deflections in there. Draymond Jones has had that production, you know, as far as the big plays, a little bit more. Um, pri two prior years, he had 12 combined tackles, where Zach Allen had six. But again, like you said, Zach Allen's going to a better defense overall here. And I think that's going to matter, especially in that secondary play where they still have a lot of really nice pieces in that Denver secondary to help create some of those pressure sacks. Yep. And when you look at Alex Singleton, I was trying to remember which year it was, and apparently it was two years ago. I don't know how that uh, goes. Uh, that Josie Jewell only played in a couple games. He did play 13 games this past year and 128 combined tackles. Mm -hmm. But you look at Alex Singleton, he played in 17 games, started 12, so, you know, he had more games this year. He had 163 combined tackles. I mean, he's just yeah. eating those things up for Denver and not really getting a whole lot in tackles for a loss. He had six. He had no sacks. In fact, in four years, he has two sacks total in his career. Eight pass deflections in four years. So you're really only just getting tackles, and that's where you need to know your league, too. If it's a big play league, it isn't just, you know, tackle heavy or something probably not as valuable, but if you're looking for a guy to just get you tackles in the league, Alex Singleton, I think, and probably even Josie Jewell, if those are the two, are going to be nice guys that aren't going to be big names that you can get for your team. All right, well, we're going to go back to you on this one here. Mike Edwards going to your Kansas City Chiefs from Tampa Bay on a one-year, $3 million deal, so pretty cheap 
um, type of replacement player who's had some success and some IDP value over there in Tampa Bay. How are you feeling about him fitting into this Chiefs defense? Uh, I'm pretty excited to see him come in. He's definitely an upgrade from Juan Thornhill, in my opinion. I love what they got him at. I mean, one year, three mil. Yeah. Um, he's, he's just kind of a holdover. I think they're just trying to give more. Maybe they're just – I don't know if they're trying to give more time for Brian Cook or if they're really trying to feel out what they have with Brian Cook because, again, you know, Brian Cook at times played well. Uh, he played well in big moments late in the season. Um, but, you know, at times – he wasn't really doing much. So, you know, it's probably one of those things where they're just Kansas city is just trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do at safety? You know, we know Justin Reed, he's a, he's a solid player for us. He's going to be on the field a lot. Um, probably the safety to own in this, in, in this uh, defense, but uh, Mike Edwards, he, he, he could be a really big contributor this year. I think he could be a good player for us. I really like him. Um, we'll see if Brian cook is still, I mean, he should still be able to get it on the field. They, they did that a lot last year where they had three safeties on the field. You know, they had Thornhill on the field at the same time as cook and Justin Reed. So I would not be shocked to see them do more of the same this year um, in that regard. Um, but I definitely like this signing. I definitely like where the Kansas City Chiefs got him at from a, you know, just a football administrative perspective, if you will. Um, but I think it's a good fit for him as well. And I think that um, he's going to benefit from being on the Kansas City Chiefs. He, you know, he should have a high snap count and, and plenty of opportunity on a defense that, you know, quite frankly, up front, they they have some good players, good young players. Chris Jones in the middle, obviously, was one of the most dominant defensive tackles in the league. Uh, they added Karlaftis in the draft, and and he played really well. Nick Bolton and Willie Gay played well uh, in the middle of this defense, and then you know even even guys like Jalen Watson at cornerback and Trip McDuffie and Legarius Need. I mean, those guys are all playing at a high level this season. So I was very impressed with each of them as well. So you know we'll see what happens with Mike Edwards, but I'm I'm very encouraged by the signing signing, and I think from a fantasy perspective, you know it's it's a good thing for Mike Edwards. Next up, Robert Spillane went from Pittsburgh to the Raiders for two years, seven million. So not a ton of money. Most of that is guaranteed in the first year, too. Um, sort of spills the spells the end rather for Denzel Perryman there, who had been Raider for a couple of years, twenty-one and twenty-two. When he was healthy um, for most of the year, twenty-one, he was great. One hundred and fifty-four combined tackles. And Robert Spillane's never really been a starter outside of injuries for Pittsburgh. You know, he had a Rookie year, I think, in Tennessee, and then four years in Pittsburgh. Last year was his best year. 16 games, he started five, 79 combined tackles, not a whole lot else. But I'm interested to see if he gets – looking like maybe him and Divine Diablo there in the middle as far as the linebackers with the two edges, Crosby and Chandler. So um, it's more of a see if he actually gets the starting job because he doesn't uh, – have that starter money necessarily, but we've seen guys come in on smaller contracts. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, CJGJ. I don't know where he got that nickname from, but uh, regardless, uh, big player for the Saints a couple years ago, and then he went to the Philadelphia this past year and played really well for them. One year, $8 million, so a nice contract for one year. It looks like he's probably going to be a starter next to Tracy Walker. You'd heard us talk up potential for Kirby Joseph. You know, for a year, and it makes sense. You know, he was a fifth round rookie last year. The Lions are trying to make some progress forward as a team, go out there and get a talent like this on a one year deal. How are you feeling about that for fantasy next to Walker, knowing that Walker, if he's healthy, is going to be a tackling machine? Yeah, absolutely. He is. Um, I, I, I don't know. From a fantasy perspective, at times, um, Chauncey shows up and plays well. 
Um, he could be a good player on this defense. They still have a lot of of glaring needs, I think. But they have made they have made improvements on this defense. You know, they did re-sign Anzalone, Anzalone. Uh, I, I, yeah, whatever. I think you guys know if you followed the show or or even heard me talking about him. I don't really care about Anzalone as much, uh, too much. But um, you know, they do have some decent pieces on this defense uh, up front. You know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson. Um, and they've got Emmanuel Mosley at cornerback. Um, so they've got a few guys, you know, Jeff Okuda, things like that. So I think the sef- secondary for this team actually looks pretty good, and I think he's going to be a good fit. Definitely going to be in line for a starting position. I see no reason why they would bring anyone else in to challenge him. So, you know, he, he should get plenty of opportunity. We'll see what he does with it. And we are going to let you all know that we want to thank you for watching us over here on Roto Heat's YouTube channel. If you're just tuning in and not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button and make sure you get all of that content. Turn the notifications on so you get that little alert on your phone when we're going live, whether it's the IDP Heat Seekers, Dynasty Heat Seekers. We also have, uh, I believe we have starting up here, a best ball show later this offseason. And we also have the Fantasy Buffet with Rick and Thomas. So make sure you're tuned in for all that. And, of course, Brad, who you saw last week, you can see his smiling face and plenty of shorts. You see a couple other guys from the team stopping in there. And then rotoheat.com is your hub for all of our articles. So make sure you go check us out there as well. Next one I don't think there's a whole lot to say about as we try to rapid fire through some of these anyway. Levante David's back for a one-year, $7 million deal with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, of course, is going under undergoing some team changes so the defense might be on the field even more there and to me he's just old reliable uh, for fantasy linebacker he's old but he's just annually underrated as far as where he goes and drafts and what he brings to the field everyone likes Devin White the shiny new toy but I'll take the discount on Levante David any other thoughts on him nope I think that pretty much covers it all right Eric Kendricks linebacker from Minnesota long time there I think it was eight or nine years going to the Chargers for two years, 13 and a quarter million. This one was interesting to me because they've really had a troubled time figuring out that linebacking core with the Chargers. You know, Drew Tranquil, a guy that uh, I don't even know if he's on our list here, but he ended up going for one year to your Chiefs. Um, And what was an interesting move, we can probably touch on that for a second after. Um, Kenneth Murray didn't really pan out because your white had been there and then went to the Eagles for a year. He's coming up on our list here too. I'm thinking as a veteran that's been a steady linebacker, healthy most of his career, Kendricks might be able to provide finally some stability to that linebacking core. How do you feel Mm -hmm. about it? I love it. Um, I was shocked whenever I was watching the draft and the Los Angeles Chargers did not draft Devin uh, Devin Lloyd last season. I thought for sure they were a shoe-in to to draft a linebacker, and for some unknown reason to me, they, they, they did not do that. They did not address their clear, obvious need at linebacker. But... They did this season in the offseason, and they did it in a big way, bringing in Eric Kendricks from uh, Minnesota, who has been really consistent, um, a very, very talented player, um, just does a lot of things really, really well at a high level. And you know, like you mentioned, Kenneth Murray just really hasn't worked out. So I don't really see anybody pressing Eric Kendricks for meaningful snaps and production and all of those things. And so uh, I definitely expect to see a lot of him this season, and I expect uh, a good fantasy production for him as well. Uh, with the, the Chargers. Zier White, we just mentioned previously being on the Chargers a couple years ago. He went from Philly, we was there for that one year, to Arizona for two years, $10 million. 
the guy that Gannon, who was the Jonathan Gannon, was the defensive coordinator for Philly last year, is now the head coach of Arizona. So he's familiar with him. We see that a lot. Coaches bringing whether it's staff or players, some familiar faces with them. Kind of like an unsettled linebacking core there still. You know, we know they have Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins, who are two first round picks. Even though Simmons, they moved around a lot more last year than they had done previously. It looks like that linebacking experiment might not work. Zayvon Collins showed a lot more in his second year than his first year. It kind of feels like just they're bringing in a steady hand who they know they can be a pro and do the things that they need to to lead that defense if that's what they need him to do. I think he'll probably get more playing time this year in Arizona than he got last year in Philly because he started about half the season and didn't have a huge season compared to what he did two years ago with the Chargers. But how are you feeling about that one? Yeah, I still like Kazir uh, White quite a bit. I mean, he's a very productive um, player whenever he's getting, you know, big snap share, which I think he will in this defense. You know, and I don't think it hurts Zayvon Collins, you know, too much. I think, in fact, that it might even help Zayvon Collins. I think there's room for both of these guys to be on the field when you look at this defense up front. They're just not very impressive. Um, on the back end, they're kind of aging. You know, Buda Baker, he's not old by any means. I know you love Buda Baker a lot. Um, Jalen Thompson, he's he's pretty good. But outside of that, you know, their cornerbacks are they look kind of weak to me. Um, you know, they still have Isaiah Simmons, which it looks like you know, he he doesn't really have a role in the middle of the field anymore. They kind of use him and just move him around the defense now, which is actually you know a good thing for him. But um, I really like this fit. I really like the the you know the Kaiser White have found his way to Arizona, and I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to rack up those tackles like he always has. I'm going to put you on the spot here because I mentioned it, and then we diverted away from it because he isn't on the list there. But Drew Tranquil going to the Chiefs there. You know, Willie Gay had showed a lot last year as far as terms of improvement anyway. You know, he stayed on the field for one, but then he was productive and, you know, steep learning curve for a guy that didn't play a ton in college. And then Nick Bolton, you know, super productive guy there. Mm-hmm. Drew Tranquil had been really productive for the Chiefs. It seemed like there wasn't much of a market for him. I mean, you're taking sort of a one-year prove-it deal. But does this muddy that linebacking core for you? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I, I still think that Willie Gay is going to be the second linebacker, you know, next to Nick Bolton. I think um, what he brings to the table as far as from an athletic profile is significantly better than what Drew Crank. Drew Tranquil is bringing, um, but Drew, Drew Tranquil, you know, he does do, a, he does do some things well. I mean, he's been productive in the past. So, um, you know, Willie Gay is going to have to stay healthy too and stay on the field. And it's one of those things, you know, your the best ability is availability. Willie Gay at times we've seen him make some boneheaded mistakes. We've talked about this with other players in the past. He's kind of in that category of, of guys who like, and you don't really know what he's going to do at any moment. Um, so, you know, I think he missed some time. He got suspended. I, I can't even remember why, but it's some silly, stinking, stinking reason. And um, they do have Leo Chanel there, too. I mean, Leo Chanel is just as – I think he's just as capable of muddying, uh, you know, this linebacking corpse as Drew Tranquil is. So, uh, But for me, Drew Tranquil, uh, I don't think he got brought in on a, on a big deal. Um, did he? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't, I don't think he did. So I don't think they're heavily invested in him. But for I've me, I mean, I don't it's, it's how much? Five mil. Yeah. So, I mean, that's for a year. I, I don't know. It's all right. I mean, nothing it's crazy, a, but yeah. they're probably going to get use out of them somewhere, you'd think. Yeah. I mean, well, and the thing is, there's room for 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 him to find a spot on this defense and, and get some playing time. I just... You know, it might if for it doesn't do anything for Nick Bolton. Obviously, Nick Bolton is is going to be on the field. He's going to be the most productive, you know, player on this defense, no doubt about it. And he he will be a top, 
you know, my opinion, definitely top 10, probably top five linebacker again this season. Willie Gay, I, I don't know. It could affect him um, and, and make things a little weird. But, yeah, we'll see. Moving up here, we got Dron Payne, who got a huge deal after being franchised by the Washington Commanders. He's back four years, 90 million defensive tackle in your leagues. Although, if you look at his uh, trajectory over the course of his career, he by far you know, like had his most productive season last year. I mean, he blew yeah. it out of the water. And to me, there's always a little bit of concern of, all right, is this a result of a guy playing for a contract? Because you knew he was. It probably helped to some degree that you know they still had Jonathan Allen, uh, they had Montez Sweat, who was it last year that he broke his jaw or whatever it was. Yeah. These years are confusing me. Yeah, but I think did. he was last year where he missed some time. He missed a lot um, of time. But Chase Young really didn't play much at all. Be interesting to see what they end up doing with him. Uh, but still a really talented line around him. To me, I still like Deron Payne, but if people are interested in paying the sort of value fantasy-wise that he got for the commanders, I'm about selling him. Not for the fact that I don't think he's talented or a good player, but with those talents around him, it's hard for him to be that productive as a DT year in and year out. So if you can find someone to buy into, hey, look what he did last year, look at this contract, I'm moving on from him. That said, if you're drafting him you know, somewhere around DT10 or something like that, I'm perfectly happy getting him there in a dynasty draft if you have to start a defensive tackle. But especially in just defensive line leagues, to me, I'm not going out of my way to get him despite the contract and good play last year. Yeah. So from a tackle perspective, he really didn't do anything different than what he has been doing for the last four or five seasons. But prior to 2022, uh, 64 tackles as you know, opposed to 20, uh, in 2021, he had 61, 2020, 54, 56, 56 in 2019 and 2018, respectively. Um but what he did have was 11 and a half sacks, which was, I mean, almost triple uh, what he's had any other any other season. 18 ta uh, tackles for loss, which, you know, again, has tripled any production that he's ever had over the course of the previous four years. So he had a huge jump in product production. Um, Montez Sweat actually did play all season last year. I think we were thinking of the season before when he broke his jaw, but no, um, Chase Young ago, was yeah. away. And I don't know that... I think, you know, bringing Chase Young back, he, he is going to take some of that work away from Deron Payne. Like he's he's going to take um, some of those, the quarterback pressures away. He's going to get to the quarterback. He's going to do some things. We all know what Chase Young's capable of. But I think I agree with you. I mean, I'm probably selling high on Deron Payne's production. I, I don't know that he can repeat that production. I think he could potentially see some regression, maybe not, you know, anything crazy, but because he's still a very good player, like you mentioned, but I definitely could see an opportunity for him to regress a little bit. So, you know, if you, if you're holding him, you're probably feeling pretty good about it, but you know, if there's an opportunity to get rid of him and to get a piece that you really like, I, I would say go for it. Interesting signing here for this next one on our list, Samson Ebukam from the 49ers to Indianapolis, three years, 24 million. So, you know, not nothing to shake your head up there. That's a nice chunk of money for a defensive end who, you know, he started a lot last year for the 49ers. Didn't do a ton with it. You know, 36 tackles, five sacks, seven tackles, four loss. That's sort of par for the course um, throughout most of his career here. Of course, he started with the Rams and then went to San Francisco. But the signing was interesting to me because, you know, they have Deo Dangbo and Quiddy Pay, who they had both drafted early two years ago. Now, Dangbo had been coming back from an injury when he was drafted. He didn't do a whole lot that rookie year, but he was – Nice surprise last year with how productive he was. 
Quiddy Pay was one of those guys that I loved and hated having on a team just because when he was on the field, man, was he productive, but he couldn't stay healthy last year. So mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if they have those same concerns because Samson's been you know, playing pretty much every game since he got drafted. So he's available. He's out there not doing anything to ruin it for you, but it kind of feels like they don't have a lot of faith in those two younger defensive ends there, and they just want a veteran healthy backup. How do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I mean, he 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 has been consistent. He's been healthy. He's been on the field. He's been available. But also, you know, let's not let's not sell this guy short. Like he has been productive, and I yep. think that they're going to expect for him to to come into this defense and actually make some plays and be a difference maker. And you know, I really like the fit here, opposite of Quiddy Pay, especially if we can get that high level production that you talked about with Quiddy Pay. And you know, they still have DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart in the middle, so two really good guys in the middle of that defense who can create pressure on their own without uh, any pressure off the edge, um, you know, and then again, you know, Shaq Leonard, who uh, he he's really had some regression, but Zaire Franklin stepped up big last season. They brought back EJ Speed as well. They re-signed him, um, I believe. So, you know, he should be back. So they've got three linebackers they know that they can count on who, you know, are familiar with what's going on and, um, you know, should, should be able to full, be full steam ahead. So I really like this signing as well. And like you mentioned, you know, Three years, 24 mil is nothing to shake your head at. I mean, I think they brought him in with expectations, and I think that this contract proves that. EJ Speed was back with the Colts before free agency started. They gave him what was basically a two-year extension, so he is back. Going too quick here. Um, He's moving on. He went from the Colts to the Giants, four years, 40 million, one of the bigger linebacker contracts. Amazing across the board in terms of like PFF gradings, but if you look at fantasy production, he did great for you, and his uh, gradings across the board were decent enough where it looks like they're trying to have him be that guy in the middle that's going to be there for all three downs. And sky's the limit for him. I mean, he's in the conversation to be a high end linebacker one if that defensive front continues to be good. Those two great edges they got there in Thibodeau and Aziz on the team. They still got a nice secondary back there. So I think the Giants are going to be a really nice spot for him to land. And if you're talking about where he'll be drafted compared to the return you could get on him, I think you'll probably have a nice chance to have some improvement there. How do you feel about him? Oh, I agree. And they paid him well. I mean, four years, 40 million. I, I was looking at this contract thinking, holy cow, you look at some of the other yeah. guys on this list, some of the other names. I mean, Giants, they invested in him. They were they, they must really like Okariki. And like you mentioned, you pay a guy that kind of money. I mean, I think the expectation is that he's going to be a consistent player for you on the defense, three down linebacker. So, you know, that's something that they needed ever since, uh, you know, uh, uh, Martinez, you know, they, they haven't really had that since Martinez. We all know what happened with him. Did he, did he retire or did he come back? I, I don't remember. Blake was with the uh, Raiders for a bit this past year and he ended up retiring and he's that's making right. all sorts of money selling Pokemon cards. And now he's really oh, big into that that's and amazing. doing great. So that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, he was a fun player to watch. Always rooted for Blake Martinez, but you know, this is, again, this is a defense who does need a, a strong presence in the middle of the field. They do have a very, very strong front defensive line yeah. and they have a good, you know, the back end of their defense is pretty good as well. So yeah, I really like this spot for Bobby. Okariki, I really think that he could be a breakout player. And like you mentioned, where you're going to get him in drafts or you know, even the trade value. I don't, I don't, it's unrealized at this point what you could get. So I really like the return that you could get for him if you go out and try to grab Bobby Okariki. I, I like this spot, I like the player, 
and love the opportunity he's going to have in front of him. I'm going to throw another curveball on here just because I, of course, being a bad Cowboys fan like I am, uh, forgot about this uh, one guy. We we were going to talk rather about Donovan Wilson because he resigned with Dallas and got a nice payday. Yeah, he got uh, what was it? Three years, twenty-one million. Going to be next to J. Ron Curse again, but uh, Leighton Vander Esch also resigned on a two-year deal. So you know we were talking about some of those younger guys having the potential in the Dallas linebacking court to step up. LVE was healthy last year. It was productive for him. They were hoping for more of the same. You know, he was a former first-round pick by Dallas um, that kind of seemed like they were moving on from, and then, you know, yeah. stuff happened, and they aren't. So he's there. Yeah. And then same thing with Donovan Wilson, who I really like Donovan Wilson and J. Ron Curse back there as safeties. They're both mm-hmm. highly productive. They even played three safeties quite a, good, quite a bit. Malik Hooker's been healthy and productive for them, too, as a third safety. Um, neither one's going to reach their ceiling between Wilson and Curse as long as they're playing all three of them. But they're still really good, like DB twos, when they're playing and healthy. Um, so I like the ceiling for both of these guys. LVE is probably going to still be a value for you in fantasy drafts if he's healthy. Yeah, Donovan Wilson hit 101 combined tackles last season. He had seven tackles for loss. I'll just close this window out because that was crazy. Sorry about that. No, uh, a video started playing on that window that I was looking at. Uh, but he was big. Uh, he stepped up big in, in big moments for the Dallas Cowboys last year. He was a leader on the defense. I thought he made some some big plays at critical moments. And then, like you mentioned with Vander Esch, there was a point where I wasn't sure that the Cowboys were even going to bring him back. Um, I don't think a lot of fans really <laughs> even cared to see him back. Um, and then last year he came out and played well, and I think everybody's pretty happy to have him back on the field. All right, we are going to go into the linebacker signings for the Chicago Bears. So we got two of them. You know, there's a lot of talk of Jack Sanborn. Are they just going to keep him since he was productive five or six games when they needed him and moved on from Roquan and he was healthy? Well, they still have Jack Sanborn cheap for two years here, but uh, they certainly were not going to just sit and be happy with that. They got TJ Edwards from Philadelphia. Years 19 and a half million. He was the first signing, and everyone's like, Oh, TJ Edwards, nice spot, really productive guy. Really like this signing. And then they went out and they laid the hammer down a second time, and even more forcefully, they got Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo, four years, 72 million. So he was the big sort of hot target out there for the linebacking core, and he got paid by Chicago. From a real life perspective, I like this a lot. They have two veterans that are productive, they know how to go out there and do what they need to do, both are reliable. They got a nice young guy in Sanborn who can jump in and start if they need to, um, you know, if someone gets hurt, but he can sit back and learn and, you know, get sort of those depth reps behind those guys, which for the future may be great too, because again, TJ's there for three years, might end up just being two years, who knows how these contracts play out. But I really like both of these guys. Fantasy wise, I'm just worried that they eat into each other and you're not going to hit that ceiling either, you know. Both of these guys had over 100 combined tackles pretty consistently since they've been starting. Edmonds has been starting longer than um, Edwards has. Edwards has been about two years there. I don't think you're going to get as high a production out of either one of them. It's probably more likely that both of them end up as LB2s than both of them being LB1s. So just take that into account when you draft them. Great for real life. How are you feeling about fantasy-wise, Austin? Could surprise us. I will say that. You could, um, yeah. 
they, they could very well surprise us because these are two players who have been highly productive in the past. You know, I think uh, Edmonds, when you look at what he's done, combined tackles over the last five seasons or so, I mean, he's cleared 100 every single season. Yep. Uh, when you go back and you look at what TJ Edwards did last season where he put up almost 160 combined tackles, 130 the year before that, and then 70 before that. Every year he's gotten better and better and better. Um, and, and he's, you know, he, he did that in, in obviously in Philadelphia now changing teams. Uh, we'll see, you know, what he does. And then, you know, Edmonds kind of the same, he's really only played for Buffalo. So we'll see how these guys adapt to being on new teams as well. I think that's the interesting thing that, you know, we don't really consider or think about is, you know, this is a new situation for them. Uh, these guys are going to be sort of competing for fantasy production and, and well, honestly, real life production. Um, and we'll see how it shakes out. You know, we'll see how the Bears use them. Um, you know, the Bears have historically been a team that have had one really, really productive linebacker in Roquan Smith. Now we'll see if two guys can share the field and see what that production looks like from an IDP perspective. Yeah, I mean, I do have my concerns. Do I think that these guys can combine for over 300 tackles between the two of them? Mm maybe be hard, yeah. <laughs> maybe but it's going to be really difficult and then you look at this defense i mean the, the bears really have made some great moves and they they do have you know on the back end of this defense i mean jaquan brisker is going to go get his you know jack sanborn he is going to probably rotate in there and grab some reps himself so yeah um these it's going to be interesting i think there could be some regression there but i still think these are two quality linebackers who we could see uh, be very productive there's a lot the Bears are still figuring out. You know, they've had some nice signings here in free agency. Of course, the trade that they made to move back in the draft from the first spot with the Panthers. We still got to see what this offense is going to do. Everyone's just really hoping this offense takes a step forward. It doesn't always happen. You know, they could be just mired in muck again, too, if Justin Fields doesn't take a step forward as a passer. It's going to be effective with his legs, of course, but, you know, are they able to just sustain more of these drives and have these big plays to take pressure off that defense? They've been trying to readjust the defense, you know, since the new coaching staff had come in where they moved to more of a 4-3 and, you know, they had to change players around and they added some more guys too, like Demarcus Walker and Andrew Billings, who we're not necessarily talking about tonight, but our IDP signings. You have to see how all of that gels in front of this linebacking core. And like you said, Sanborn, when they have three linebackers on the field, it's probably going to be him. You just don't see as much of that in today's NFL with more of these three safety looks, three you know, nickel cornerback looks. So it will be interesting to see how it plays out. But I guess like in redraft leagues for me at this point, I'm not really looking to pay necessarily top-end value for either one of these, knowing there's a good chance that they're going to end up eating into each other. Yep, I agree with that 100%. All right, now we're going to go to a safety signing. We got a couple of those we'll probably just hit in a row here. Uh, Von Bell from Cincinnati to Carolina, three years, $22.5 million. And I'll just throw in there one of the other Bengal safeties there. Uh, Jesse Bates from Cincinnati to Atlanta, four years, whopping $64 million. So I mean, clearly Bates got nice. paid more there. Um, huge payday. He's going to go next, be next to Richie Grant as far as the safeties in Atlanta, whereas Von Bell looks like he's going to be starting next to Jeremy Chin. Which one of these are you liking more for IDP purposes? Um, so we're looking at Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Those are the two we're looking at. Or are we looking yep. at a third one? Yep, just those two. Uh, I really like – oh, man, that's tough. They're, these guys, they they do – I mean, 
probably Bates. Um, I thought Von Bell played really well for Cincinnati last season. He was very consistent, um, definitely a, a very good tackler. Um, Jesse Bates has more of that big play upside, I think, and then going to you know Atlanta defense, which uh, I personally think is uh, probably worse and maybe lends for more opportunities than yeah. Carolina, although both defenses really aren't great by any stretch. Um, but I think for me, if I had to choose, I would probably go with Jesse Bates. I really like that situation uh, for Atlanta. Holy moly. They really paid, uh, I mean, not a lot of money for, for him, um, but you know, something that they're used to doing. I mean, they paid Matt Ryan a lot of money too, to not be good. But I think in this case, they're, they're paying Jesse Bates a lot. I think he will be good uh, from a fantasy perspective. I think these are good situations for both. Honestly, I think they are. Um, but if I had to choose one, I would probably go with Jesse Bates being the guy that, you know, I would probably want to try to have on my team more. And if you look at Jesse Bates's career, you know, the first few seasons in the league back when Cincinnati was worse um, was when he had his best seasons with, you know, over 100 combined tackles, consistently getting over 70 solos. And I think you can see something similar coming up here with Atlanta where we'll have to see what Desmond Ritter or some other move that they make at quarterback has an effect on. But similar to last year, they aren't going to be able to fix this overnight. We saw Richie Grant last year get like 120-some combined tackles. So I really think that you could see two high-level safety plays here in Atlanta this coming year. Ron Hargrave talking about getting paid uh, from Philadelphia. He went to San Francisco, four years, $84 million. So he got a whopping set of money there. Um, I forget the fourth guy. Sorry about that. But he got Hargrave, Nick Bosa, and our Eric Armstead. Uh, for the 49ers. I don't know if they're going to go with it. Was it Drake Jackson? They drafted yeah, last I really year. Liked I really liked him. I really um, liked him a lot. He'd he's probably be the athletic. best value out of anyone on that defensive front this year if you're looking for a deep play. Absolutely. Hargrave, we talked about pain as a sell. Hargrave is for me too because I know he's going from a strength with the Philadelphia front to another really superb front there with the San Francisco mm -hmm. 49ers, but he's another guy coming off the best year of his career. And he's significantly older than Payne. You know, I think this is going to be like the eighth or ninth year in the league for Hargrave, which isn't the end all by any means. But again, if you're counting on that same production with that good defensive front there, I think you're just setting yourself up for failure and he's going to be going higher in draft. I mean, he wasn't being drafted very much last year in terms of, you know, might have been a DT2 for a lot of people or something like that, which most leagues you don't have to start two defensive tackles. Um, and he blew that out of the water, and you're going to see people, whether they go to, based off of last year's stats or the ADP when they're drafting, I just think he's someone that's going to be overdrafted and I probably won't have a whole lot of this year. But what do you think about the move to him to San Francisco? I still think that he can be very, very productive. I mean, we saw last year he had 11 sacks. We know what the Philadelphia Eagles defense did. Uh, we know what kind of players they had on that defense, especially up front, guys who were able to create pressure off the edge. But when you look at the San Francisco defense, I think you see a little bit of, the, of similarities here, right? Like you, you got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstrad, who's a very, very good player. I think Drake Jackson probably takes over Cleveland, Cleveland Farrell, who was – were assigned to the 49ers. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think uh, Jackson should be the starter at the at the left-end spot. But Hargrave, anchor in the middle, I mean, he pushes Kinlaw out for guys who were hanging on to Kinlaw, hoping he worked out. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. For Hargrave, though, I mean, this is a guy who I can't think of a better person to learn from in the league, a better defensive tackle, a true veteran and true professional uh, than Fletcher Cox. Uh, what Just one of my 
literal all-time favorite players on defensive line. Uh, he, he's he's fantastic. If you've ever listened to this show, you know kind of how I feel about him. I, I just I think he's great. Um, and you know Javon Hargrave, uh, he played extremely well last season. And I don't know that he will match that production, but I could see him being in for you know anywhere from six to eight sacks. We'll see if he hits double digits. That's probably the highest in production. I, Last year he hit 11, and that's the only time he's done that. But you know, if he he can continue to produce anywhere in that 50 to 60 tackle range, I mean, that's he'll be in for another really good season. And I think with this defense and the players he has around him, he he could have that opportunity to do that again. And just look at his time in you know Pittsburgh, and then early in Philadelphia. And I agree with you, like the tackles, you're probably thinking somewhere around 50 because most of these teams are using rotations again, and then sacks, you know under double digits is probably a safer bet. So, I mean, just yeah. banking on that same level of production, which some people do, I'm just not going to fall into that camp. Guy that we both liked, I think uh, you definitely wanted him to be mentioned here, but Cody Barton, a guy from last year who was productive for Seattle in the time that he played, going to Washington, which is an interesting spot. One year, only $3.5 million, though. Kind of feels like he's going to be next to Jamin Davis. A lot of availability for tackles there, a lot of room for surprise and improvement. Are you liking the spot for Cody Barton on a prove-it deal? Yeah, I mean, it is a prove-it deal. Obviously, he's a holdover. Uh, They're going to have to address the position. Um, You know, obviously, we talked about Cole Holcomb, who they moved on from. Um, I I think Holcomb, if you ask me, side-by-side with Barton is – clearly the better player so they you know they kind of got worse at that position but you know when you look at what barton did last season he had 136 tackles uh four tackles for loss um you know he he was two interceptions i mean he he played 11 out of 17 games he was injured some so 136 tackles with only playing 11 games i mean that's that's quite good Uh, i don't know that he'll be able to you know repeat that but then again, I mean, you can't really look at what he did in 21 or 20 or 19 because, you know, he was playing, uh, he was the second line, but he was, you know, a depth piece basically. And yeah. last year was his first opportunity to really get in that starting role, um, slide in there. And, you know, a lot of people had high expectations like, hey, here's a guy you should keep an eye on because he's going to get the opportunity. And when he did, I thought he played extremely well. So we'll see. I mean, he's going to get the opportunity this year. Uh, obviously, you know, being on Washington, they they have a need in the in the center of the field, especially for a tackling linebacker. Um, I think he could be the guy, and I think that you know if he plays well, we'll see where he goes next year. Um, I don't know that Washington. Maybe they bring him back, maybe they don't. But I think either way, I think he is playing for a contract. He's got all the motivation to play at a high level. Um, we'll see what he does with that. It worried me is you know he was the team that uh, Seattle was the team that invested the third round pick in him. And then he got the time to play and he was out there and it's the same coaching staff, you know, Carol's been there forever. Um, It feels like anyway, he just kept being moved in and out of the starting lineup. You know, he'd have great weeks, you know, to start the season. Then he sort of went away and then he went back in. He was getting you fine fantasy production when he was on the field for the most part, but it was surprising to me. They just let him go knowing that, Hey, Brooks is injured. We don't really know what we're doing. I don't think it was even on this list. If it was, I forgot about it. But, you know, Devin Bush, who we weren't really high on at all with what we've seen out of him outside of his rookie year in Pittsburgh, he's there on a one-year deal. So it's like, is Bush any better than Barton at this point? Maybe they're going to take a gamble on talent. The the draft position was different first round, early first round versus a third round, unknown commodity versus known. 
kind of feels like a lateral move. I was just surprised they didn't keep Barton there. Yeah. But he's certainly going to a place with a much better defensive front in front of him. So Absolutely. maybe he will improve on it with more playing time there if he is able to secure one of those roles. Yeah, I think his play style fits with that defensive front too, like you mentioned, which could really actually benefit him, uh, I think. That's one thing that they actually did not have much of last season in uh, Seattle outside of uh, Nuosu. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And speaking of Devin Bush, because he is a big name from years past, cheap deal, I, I think it was like a couple million there for Seattle. I don't have it in front of me. But especially if Jordan Brooks isn't healthy to start the season, he could be a guy that just eats tackles there too, because we've seen it for the past, you know, as long as Pete Carroll's been there, it might even been longer. Those linebackers eat in that Seattle defense. It's been a relatively same defense throughout, you know, the past decade anyway. And most years you have two linebackers, whether it was, you know, Brooks and Bobby Wagner. Um, I'm forgetting all the other old names, but they've had a lot of productive fantasy guys there in the middle. Um, Ofa Tatupu, I think was one of them a while back. Uh, Whoever's in there is going to get your tackles. So just keep in mind on Devin Bush. You've been burned on him in the past. If he does get a starting spot there, again, pay attention to Brooks, but there's no reason that he can't get you over 100 tackles either on what would probably be cheap drafting because people just haven't seen it out of him. Yeah. The thing that drives me crazy about Bush, you know, in Pittsburgh, like we mentioned, we talked about Pittsburgh earlier and, you know, felt like they've been grasping at straws for seasons, uh, trying to get that, that, you know, production in the middle of the field and just Devin Bush just wasn't able to provide that despite really having in my opinion every opportunity to succeed and to to take a hold of that role and and to thrive and and generate you know good production for that team and yeah. be fantasy relevant so you know for me it's like I just don't know man it's I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that you're right on this I'm hopeful that you know somehow he's able to find a new home get a fresh start bounce back but he's really had all the opportunity in the world in front of him and, you know, off the field, making terrible decisions on the field, just not really getting it done. I don't know. We'll see what he does. He's more of a guy dynasty. I'm not really doing a whole lot of investing. If he's free and I have a roster spot, I'll go pick him up because, you know, he was drafted high and he's going to a place with historically has been good for that position to get your tackles and fantasy points, but I'm not going out there and trading anything of real value for him to get him. It's more of a, you know, take a shot in the dark on one of these guys on waiver wire and hope you can get something. All right, I know we've deviated a lot, but we're down to two guys here. We're going to go to Marcus Epps first, going from Philadelphia to Las Vegas. Two years, $12 million. So, again, not a huge contract. Most of these haven't been, which seems odd for the NFL, not making, you know, huge long contracts for tons of money. He seems like a good value for the Raiders who actually need secondary help. You know, they got rid of Abram last year. They have Mo Rig, who they drafted, who fantasy-wise really hasn't done much of anything. Um, but I do feel Marcus Epps could have good value here with the Raiders. Again, not a big name. He was sort of in and out of lineups in there in Philadelphia. Got such a good fantasy production when he was in. But if he has a starting role throughout the season, and what is he looking to be if the Broncos can figure it out? High-powered division once again. There could be plenty of opportunity for him. How do you feel about him moving to the Raiders? Yeah, well, not only that, but you look at this defense and what they have in the middle of the field. We talked earlier about Robert Spillane, who, sure, he's fine, I guess. Uh, Divine Diablo, kind of the same. He's converted safety, a tremendous athlete, um, a, a big safety, you know, if you will. And, and they've moved him sort of to the middle of the field where he's in the center of the defense at middle linebacker. 
Um, and he's able to move well and do some different things, but, you know, not really imp anything impressive. I mean, you know, Marcus Seps is not competing with Roquan Smith for tackles or, you know, he's not competing yeah. with the TJ Edwards of the, of the NFL. I mean, he, he, he could see some really good fantasy production this year. And I thought he played extremely well last season. And it's, you know, it's just, it's interesting that he could potentially be in for an even bigger year um, this year than he had last year. Um, so in that regard, I really like this, uh, this landing spot for him. Uh, we'll see, you know, what he's able to do with that 94 tackles last season, four tackles for loss. So definitely had his best season. Um, I think if he's able to, you know, produce anything close to that. I think this is going to be a good situation for him, a good situation for um, the Raiders who, like you mentioned, they they've needed that production at safety. Um, so I think this is a good spot for both team, both the team and for the player. Yeah. I think he has a good shot to reproduce that production from last year, as long as he has a starting spot and he's healthy, which you can say that about pretty much everyone, but that Raiders team is going to be one that he, to your point, should have a really good route to getting a fantasy production of tackles. Yep. And last but not least, um, not certainly because we just remembered it right before I went on show and threw him on here, but Julian Love went from the Giants to Seattle for two years, twelve million. Interesting spot. You know, they have Jamal Adams when healthy, who at least name wise is the best out of this group on field production. Sure, grading wise, eh, not really so much. But they have two other guys there already. Ryan Neal, Quandre Diggs, who have been fantasy productive safeties. So this feels more like a hedge on maybe they're not done making moves. Maybe Jamal Adams goes on somewhere else. It would seem odd after just paying what they did for him. You know, it just seems like such a weird fit for a guy that was super productive for the Giants. How, how are you feeling about this one, Austin? Maybe they're – I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm just reaching here, but maybe, maybe Jamal Adams isn't ready. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's not as he's not where they think that he should be, um, you know. But at the end of the day, too, we've talked about it all show. We've talked about it all off season. Is you, know, you are seeing teams do three safeties a lot more often, a lot more frequently. And you look at this linebacking core: Jordan Brooks coming off this, you know, the pretty significant injury. Uh, Devin Bush, who you know, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what he does. But I think you guys know at this point how we feel about him. Not super confident. I don't know how Seattle feels about him, but there could be an opportunity for these safeties, you know, even three of them to to really see some good fantasy production. And Jordan and Julian Love, excuse me, is is a guy who, you know, he he's been very productive. When you know, when he was with the Giants, he was very frustrating at times. I think, you know, I thought for sure Jabril Peppers had that spot locked down and Julian Love came along and really kind of pushed him out of out of New York and and sent him on his way. So um, you know, we'll see. I, I I don't hate this spot for him, uh, but we'll see how it shakes out. There, there is some. There are plenty of caveats to this this secondary and this roster um, that could definitely lend to Julian Love uh, being fantasy relevant again this season and actually being you know quite productive. Now looking at Jamal Adams' contract, of course he had gotten he tore his quad, which is a big deal for anyone in the NFL. I mean, that's a huge muscle part of moving around for anyone in daily life. Yep. That's a big one. But you know, eighteen million dollar cap hit this year isn't huge, but twenty almost twenty four million dollar dead cap cap hits go up from here. You know, like almost twenty four and then almost twenty five million. Well, the dead cap does go down. So you know, Jamal Adams just has not been healthy, quite mm -hmm. frankly, since he got to Seattle. So it does make you wonder: are are they more concerned about it or not? Um, but really, whether it's Love or Diggs, whoever ends up being starting next to Adams. 
or if they both start over Adams because he's not healthy, they're going to be much better values for you than Jamal Adams just based on the name. Jamal Adams is an incredibly physical, talented, great player when he's on the field, but the cost to obtain him in a league, whether dynasty or redraft, hasn't been there value-wise for what he's been able to give you because he can't stay healthy. I know we've seen that in prior years with guys like Derwin James. That was when he was younger. As you're getting older, this stuff becomes harder and harder to overcome, and I'm wondering if that physical style that Jamal Adams has is just taking a toll on his body at this point. Yeah, I don't know that there's a a big discount being given for Jamal Adams, just like you mentioned, purely based on his name. But, you know, quite frankly, we haven't seen him come back and play a single snap since that quad injury. And that's that in itself is is concern enough for me not to want to try to trade for a player like that and give up, you know, what you would probably have to give up to acquire him. So, you know, if it was me and and I agree with you and I was looking at adding a safety from this group, he probably wouldn't be at the top of my list just for that reason alone. That's going to do it. We actually ended up going through between 35 and 40 free agents. Of course, we threw some in there that we hadn't planned on talking about because our memories aren't the same as when we were young whippersnappers necessarily. But um, free agency certainly isn't done. There's going to be more names popping up. Uh, We're going to be switching into rookie mode next week, talking about rookie safeties. But if you see a signing or something like that coming up, you can find us in the Roto Heat Discord. There's the Roto Heat Facebook group. You can catch either one of us on Twitter. You can see our handles down here or jump into a live show. We're going to be here Monday nights again at 8 p.m. Central through the offseason. So if you have trade questions, other questions about free agency, please hop in and let us know. Austin, any final thoughts for tonight? No, I mean, I just want to thank everybody who tuned in. Um, Thank you guys so much for stopping by again this week. Uh, We really appreciate it. We hope to see you guys next week when we kick off our rookie discussions always one of our most favorite shows uh for us as as you know doing this this show and then of course for you guys as well i mean everybody loves to eat up that rookie content we'll have plenty to talk about um really good class of safeties um so i'm excited for next week and you know again just uh check us out on twitter go to stop by the website do all the things subscribe 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 if you have not already and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you guys again next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. You all have a good night, and we will catch you next week. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.